This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hello and welcome to Beyond the Ballot Box. I'm Dafrin Johan. The Bumiputra Economic Congress 2024 themed Positive, Progress and Innovative will be taking place from the 29th of February to the 2nd of March. It is organised by the Ministry of Economy in collaboration with the Ministry of Rural and Regional Development. But what exactly are Bumiputra Economic Congresses all about? Why should Bumiputras and non-Bumiputras alike keep a close eye on this upcoming Congress? Joining me on the show today is Dr. Lee Hwok An. He's a senior fellow at the Malaysian Studies Programme at the ICS Yusof Ishak Institute. Hokan has done research on the Bumiputra Economic Congresses over the years. Hokan, welcome to the show. Hi, Dashran. Good to be with you again. Give me an overview of the Bumiputra Economic Congress over the years. Why is it a Congress that we should keep our eye on? Yeah, you know, this is a really interesting, peculiar type of event since 1965, you know, and, and it's ad hoc. It tends to intervene at political and economic uh, turning points. I think they are a forum for deliberations. It's a stage for passing right the resolutions. It appeals for policy changes. It's pressurizing the government right to implement and uh, to to follow up. To follow up, and I think not necessarily right new ideas. Not necessarily everything. And in fact, much of it is already part of the discourses. It just it, but there's consultations involved, and so there's it. Uh, it can carry the weight of the you know workshops and labs that happen and then this resolution that is passed at an event so it elevating i think existing ideas right for then the government to ha- to have to respond to or the government actually has already kind of invested in it right since most of them were organized by uh, the government now i think we've heard a lot about the first congress and also the second one 1965 and 1968 and I think one of the outcomes that was traced to that was the formation of MARA, or rather reconfigured from uh, Rural Industrial Development Authority, RIDA, mm-hmm. right? Now, subsequent to the 1965-1968, you had the new economic policy from 1971, and all these policies became mainstream, these Bumiputra uh, policies. So it's not clear anymore what is the impact of these congresses. You cannot trace that, oh, this was said and it didn't exist before. And after the Congress, something new gets implemented. But we look at what happened when they happened. One was in 1980, the first decade of the, the NEP. And among other things, it was calling for a Bumiputra investment fund. Interestingly, 1980 seems to have also vanished even from the government's record. <laughs> <laughs> Because I saw in the Malaysia plan, I think written in the 1990s, that that totally omitted that one, only recognizing the one in 1992 as the third Bumiputra Economic Congress, although 1980 was the third. So the fourth one in 1992, um, again, at a turning point, the official kind of timeline of the NEP was until 1990. And then this is sort of the roaring period of of, uh, privatization investment and the focus on the BCIC, Bumiputra Commercial Industrial Community. And interestingly, there was a working paper by the Chinese Chambers of Commerce and Industry, ACCC, 
I I am on Bumi non Bumi joint ventures. I just want to note that predominantly, right, the policies and the and the presenters by government, uh, by uh, professors and and academics uh, leading uh, in you know the those sessions and and writing up the the policy papers. But there have been these other ones as well, and attempts to also not make it just about Bumi Putra, but about these sort of uh, partnerships. So. To address the question, why should we bother by, mm -hmm. with this Bumiputra Economic Congress coming up at the end of this month? Uh, it's the third in a very quick succession. Right? There was one in September 2018. Actually, the full right. name was Congress on the Future of the Bumiputra and the Nation. That was organized by the Ministry of Economic Affairs. That was soon after the May 2018 uh, election. So again, right? you have these political uh, turning points that you know, tend to uh, trigger holding one of these uh, congresses. And then, of course, change, political change again, September 2020. Now, this was organized by the Malay Consultative Council, another right. Bumiputra Economic Congress. If, but it was officiated, it was endorsed by then uh, Prime Minister Muhyiddin uh, Yassin. I just want to note, I think this should not be confused with the Malay Dignity Congress. Right. Which in 2019. The Bumiputra Economic Congresses uh, do involve more substantive policy and especially economic policy uh, discussions. Right, brought us up to speed. <laughs> and now the upcoming one. Right. We have had, again, political event. Right. Government, not a new government. And I think for that reason as well, right, that Prime Minister Anwar Ibrahim, he announced this in September that this Congress would be held um, in February, uh, February, March. And it's a government, right, that has stabilized. It has shown that it, it has, you know, endured through uh, some tribulations, right, and period of uncertainty. And I think we are looking towards an administration, I think, that, that can hold together for whatever the full term uh, might be, a few more years. Um, it's interesting as well with the makeup of the government, this unity government, right, where AMNO, right, is uh, one of the... Uh, Key players, right? One of the ones that that uh, or kingmakers, key players, however you want to look at it, and uh, they are this. Uh, I think it's part of the effort, right, to regain Amno standing in in the Malay community, and it's given this lead role as well in in the uh, Congress, and so I think we can see that the government, you know, will uh, will take a serious look at the outcome of the Congress, carrying out its resolutions or responding to it. How it squares with the Madani vision or the Madani model was also something of interest. Uh, Madani model is quite reticent on issues about, you know, group targeted policies, Bumiputra and, and other communities. But I think broadly, right, it, it makes a commitment towards equal opportunity, right, towards inclusiveness, right, and all the, all the um, I think, you know, the kind of uh, uh, principles that we, that, that we expect uh, these days. But how will it actually do that? And how will it be able to bridge right the interests of the different communities when it comes to policies such as will be discussed at the Bumiputra Economic uh, Congress? There's also this effort that's gone into organizing it there with a cluster approach, the regional consultations. So I think uh, there is it's more anticipated certainly I think than 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 the last two. We can see that there's a build up, and I think the government um, you know is also quite invested in it. And so I think we should also you know uh, keep a lookout for what will happen. What is the problem with the way these congresses are often positioned or presented by some Malays and the way it is received? by some non-Malays? 
Yeah, I, I think some of one thing that has also uh, recurred in the history of these congresses, I think, is the the way that it, it tends to be uh, presented, and then it, it it triggers certain uh, reactions, and no, and and then there's a bit of um, uh, this sort of exchanges, right? And it can get a bit uh, heated when uh, I mean, I think it's. To an extent, understandable, right? For when you know those, especially non-Bumi putras, will see this as okay. Here we go again, yet another one, right? And 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 what is it for? Uh, but sometimes it's questioned in a way, right? That can be also a little bit uh, provocative, calling it for this to be the last one, or then you know, um, I think being making very sweeping statements about well, has it really achieved you know anything, and not really doing any research to prove any point, but just kind of making it in a very you know a polemical uh, manner. <laughs> I think that has been part of what happened uh, this this time around as well, and so some of the reactions to that, which then, but then also I I, I think goes along the same vein of just being very uh, emotive, just kind of being asserting it as, you know, something that, you know, um, is an, an unquestionable uh, right uh, of, of the majority. And of course, you know, that also is true, right? Uh, but I would have hoped, and I think these times do call for um, an approach, a rationale for holding this, Congress that is more uh, grounded in a purpose, right? In what sort of outcomes you want to achieve. And I think in framing it in a way that, you know, can be more uh, wholesome and, and constructive. I think where we are still lacking is in only seeing it through that lens of Muniputra, which immediately means that well, then there are those are the included, and then there are the excluded, and it's really, um, you know, omitting some realities, which is that there, you know, there is a domain of policies that are group targeted, and they serve a particular purpose of increasing participation uh, and and expanding, you know, building capacity through higher education, in entrepreneurship, in. Uh, moving up occupationally to, you know, managerial, professional uh, positions, right, in owning, operating uh, business and in, in ownership. And and these, there, there, you know, there, there are also interventions that target other groups, the Indian community, Orang Asli, and that can be also gender targeted for, for women. So I think we, you know, get kind of, yeah, there is a vicious cycle when it just fixates on, only the Bumiputra uh, part, which of course is the predominant one, but again, not the only one, right? Um, uh, and and uh, it, it becomes, you know, I think a little bit of a destructive kind of uh, debate and 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 uh, a deadlocked one, right? Because then it's just about people uh, retreating back into, um, you know, their hunkering down, right? In, in their own uh, closing ranks, I should say, right? Uh, being for, being against, you know, being uh, what is for the minority and, and what is for the uh, majority and defending certain interests. When actually I think there are grounds, right, to be able to uh, accept that these are certain policies that that uh, the nation is, is pursuing for various groups. And we can actually, you know, not fight over whether to have them or not, 
but actually try and really work out real solutions to make them more fair, more equitable, you know, better serving the nation. I think there is this kind of uh, tagline, right, of Bumiputra agenda as the national agenda. And I think it's an aspiration that I would, you know, I think we should uh, receive well or re receive with an open heart and, and, you know, not just a kind of anti-slogan, that we want this to be something that the nation can rally behind. But I think the way to do that, right, is to find a new way of framing it, a new language to describe what is going on, rather than, again, going back to just, you know, Bumiputra and non-Bumiputra, and then and, and we're fighting over things, and then you, 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 you know, you, you also find, some people find, I think will find themselves, you, you're uh, against this Bumiputra policy, but you're in favor of policy that's favoring or the or Indians or women, and I think that inc logical inconsistency, right, is going to be a problem. It's not something that you can really a position. I think you know that that uh, that can be uh, maintained with with integrity, you know, and and I think with soundness. I think we could do an entire episode on this, but I think it's also important to just talk about it a little bit here. Um, many non-Malays will hear what you just said and argue that, of course, it is ethnic minorities who deserve affirmative action and targeted policies, not the majority group. Look at America. Isn't that how it works and should work? That's usually the argument. How would you respond? The defining uh, feature for the group, right, that I think warrants this kind of special treatment is a disadvantaged group. That's an argument, I think, that, that, that I would hear out, that it should be minority-based, but with responses. Firstly, the kind of uh, discourse that says it's minority-based is very America-centric. I know I've seen, I've read definitions of affirmative action that say it's for minorities. I mean, that's nonsense. Where, where in the, why, you know, <laughs> why, uh, where's the basis at all to say that it should be minority-based? Uh, and, and it's just so self-absorbed in, in a certain uh, context, right? Uh, you know, if the history of a country has resulted in the majority being dis disadvantaged. Do we just say that, no, you cannot take your special measures to advance yourself because you're just because you're a majority? So would we say that US can, blacks can do it? US can do it for the for the black uh, minority? South Africa cannot do it just because the blacks are, you know, a majority? Would you say for a country like Nepal, which so I've looked this up, look at these statistics, which somehow has a, you know, women are 54% of the population. Oh, should they not do affirmative action for women? Because women are, you know, more than a majority, right? Uh, or you can also look at it within Malaysia, because I think sometimes it is brought up here because it is tends to be disproportionately benefiting the Malay specifically. Uh, the Malay population, but less so the Sabah and Sarawak, um, Bumiputra or indigenous groups there. So would we say that it can, uh, for the indigenous of Sabah and Sarawak, now they are a minority at the federal level, but they are a majority within the state. Uh, what are you going to do about that situation if you say that it's only for minorities? That right. means the Sabah state government, Sarawak state government cannot do anything for specifically for the ethnic majority. Right. So it's again, I mean, I, I think it really just uh, falls apart and we need to you know, come back to sort of the a more uh, a coherent, right, a more uh, methodical. And I think, yeah, just a lot more a cogent uh, definition that, you know, is based on a disadvantaged group. 
Yep, the way I see it is that you're not saying that ethnic minorities in Malaysia are not oppressed, nor are you saying they do not deserve affirmative action or targeted policies of any sort. Um, instead, what you're saying is that the starting point of this discussion shouldn't be who's the ethnic majority and who's the ethnic minority, rather who is disadvantaged in our society and in what areas are they disadvantaged? If we want to achieve an equitable society, liberation for all the people, then poor Chinese and Indians, for example, definitely need specific targeted policies and affirmative action, working class Chinese and Indians, especially the Indians who came from a historically, um, you know, the labourer class. Um, but at the same time, the non-Bumiputras cannot deny that there is also a very serious issue of Bumiputra poverty and there are gaps that need to be filled there as well. All right, let's leave it there for now. Let's go for a very quick break. On the show with me today is Dr. Lee Huang An, Senior Fellow at the Malaysian Studies Programme at the ICS Yusof Ishak Institute. We continue this discussion after the break. Keep it here on Beyond the Ballot Box, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Beyond the Ballot Box. I'm Dashran Johan. And on the show with me today is Dr. Lee Huang An, Senior Fellow at the Malaysian Studies Programme at the ICS Yusof Ishak Institute. And we're talking about things to look out for at the upcoming Bumiputra Economic Congress. So, Huang An, in your article, um, you argue, and this is about the, the agenda of the Bumiputra um, Economic co uh, Congress and, and just the agenda of Bumiputra-based policies, you argue that, and I quote, for decades, the Bumiputra agenda was fixated on 30% equity ownership, which impeded progress, end quote. What is the weaknesses of this particular approach? Yeah, I did some research uh, in the last few years, well, mostly around 2021, um, in conjunction with the New Economic Policy's 50th uh, anniversary. And one thing I did there, and I was actually, uh, you know, quite astonished about my ignorance <laughs> before embarking on this exercise. I went back to the original documents and tried to actually see the whole picture of what happened with you know at the inception of of the NEP, and we talk about it you know often with only the most cursory kind of reference or or you know secondhand, thirdhand, umpteenth hand information of what was whispered into our ears, and then we repeat it as though you know this is what the NEP was was about. I uh, I think what it actually said initially, and then what happened later is quite instructive. So I just want to bring that. I just want to uh, yeah uh, uh, mention that briefly here. So originally, uh, the new economic uh, policy it set out this this um, longer term goal, sort of its destiny in terms of its. Uh, what we call the second prong of social restructuring, preventing, uh, eliminating identification of race with economic function, essentially, right, to promote uh, you know, Bumiputra upward mobility. Um, the ultimate goal there was conceptualized as uh, Bumiputras being full partners in the economic life of the nation. This is 1971, right? And, you know, I, I think that was actually suitably, you know, broad and 
and and ambitious you know it needs to be encompassing right the education uh, and, and 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 participation you know uh, across all kinds of realms and and, and segments by 1976 so you have the second Malaysia plan, that's the initial one, the new economic policy. And then in the third Malaysia plan, it's sort of presented as a full-fledged um, sort of development uh, agenda, right? Um, which has targets and specific policies. But by then, um, the goal for what would be achieved, quote-unquote, within one generation, which is sort of, you know, considered its longer-term longer objective, was 30%. Bumiputra equity. So when I say it was reduced to that and it became fixated on that, it's part of that uh, process. And I think uh, what that, and we can see that, you know, that shifted the priorities um, in, in three ways. That prior, uh, prioritized acquisition, that's just ownership, right? Over productive gains, over, you know, the more ground up approach mm -hmm. of building uh, capabilities of expanding small enterprises into medium uh, enterprises um, and having more homegrown, right? Uh, talent development. Uh, it confined ownership to equity as well, right? Without, uh, while omitting their many other assets, right? Such as uh, land. And so there was, I think, uh, too narrow uh, a focus. And then I think it also perpetuated a debate, and it's been, uh, uh, you know, it, it sort of surfaced from from time to time. But I think it's an acrimonious debate. I know that, I mean, it, it's a good academic side. I think it's useful to get to the truth of the matter. But again, it's not very, you know, it hasn't really advanced the national cause of development in general. Um, a debate over the calculation of equity distribution, and. Both, I think, parties, you know, those, the advocates and the detractors, you know, have contributed to it. When the policy for develop for pro-Bumiputra uh, or the cause, right, the rationale for continuing pro-Bumiputra policies, right, has been predicated on, oh, we haven't, we have fallen short of 30% equity. Uh, that, again, perpetuates that, that fixation. But on the other hand, I think some of the critics have also been overly, right, um, uh, fixated on trying to demolish it by saying that, oh, Bumiputra equity has exceeded 30% and therefore the rationale for NEP you know, uh, uh, collapses. So uh, those are the kind of reasons I think that we you know, need to move on as we trace this, this, this thing through, through history. I think over the time as well and more in the present moment, and I would agree with, um, you know, the, I think, uh, what has become, I think, uh, emerging a uh, view uh, that the priority needs to be on building, right, um, Bumiputra uh, entrepreneurship, uh, you know, businesses and homegrown ones, focusing on, you know, grooming small to medium scale, right, and, and being more dynamic and 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 competitive. I, I trace this as an outcome, right, of over the years, not really doing it that way and rather focusing more on transfers. And that has caused also right, a lot of, the uh, you know, get rich quick uh, uh, mentality and, and uh, pro profiteering. Now, if these are already now, given that that is an emphasis rather than equity ownership, right, I think it's really time that the 30% equity target, right, ceases to be the rallying point. It's not, not... I wouldn't, uh, you know, say jettison it completely, you know, but 
set it aside to pursue and let other things you know drive the agenda. I mean, it has functioned effectively in galvanizing attention and resources, right? You could say, you know, we haven't done it. This was this was the target, right? That they wanted to keep achieving 30%, 30% over over all all these years. I think uh, the lesson to take from that is finding other kinds of longer-term targets that can serve that purpose. So when it comes to what the Congress should focus on, you say that one of the key things the Congress should focus on is education. Why so? In in what ways are Bumiputra students supported when it comes to education right now? And what are the gaps? Oh, it's very, very uh, extensive. I mean, you know, from secondary, uh, there's residential uh, schools um, into uh, post-secondary or pre... Uh, well, okay, post-secondary, there's uh, colleges and, and, and TVET. Um, not all are... are uh, designated for Bumiputra, but the participation, right, is is also very high uh, from the uh, Bumiputra uh, community. But I think the focus here would be on those that, you know, are, let's say, Anamara and uh, are designated, right, for for the, uh, the community. Uh, pre-university programs, matriculation college, foundation, or the ASASI um, into university, right? And uh, and then, of course, this uh, UITM. So I, I say it should focus because uh, my concern is that the uh, focus on, you know, Enterprise development, which, which I, as I said, is is, is warranted, should not really should not uh, come at the expense of of continuing attention, not just to uh, not just to the provision, right, and access, but to the outcomes, the quality. I think Malaysia's story with uh, these group targeted policies for the Wumiputra, uh, I, I would I would sum up as you know being very extensive in providing opportunity and access, and of course that can be easily proven. You're looking at at Roman University, you look at uh, you know the growth of uh, skilled quote-unquote, occupations or the professional uh, and the managerial uh, class and uh, uh, Malay, uh, middle class and, and, and all those. And, but you can trace those back, right, to what is the precondition, right, to holding those jobs and so on. It's, uh, it is often uh, tertiary education. So mass ed- tertiary education, right, uh, Malaysia has, you know, made great strides but the what is not like one thing happens and then the other. I mean, they right. need to move in tandem to provide access as well as through that impart, you know, the the skills and 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 the knowledge, right? And and provide the uh, the networking and and sort of a supportive um, ecosystem for you know for for people to thrive socioeconomically. I think that the attention needs to be increasingly on the the quality of education, uh, higher education, and on you know how it translates right into uh, the continuing socioeconomic advancement. I'm not saying right just to make it all about industry focused, <laughs> uh, you know. Uh, so just to just to set that straight, because sometimes yeah, that implication is that oh they have to be more quote unquote 
employable and therefore right you know just just feed them in, you know into a program right that will immediately lead to a particular uh vocation uh but you know we have to look at it yeah really more holistically their sort of general skills thinking skills communicating uh skills uh resourcefulness uh, and and uh yeah you know i think uh, that that uh, need to be yeah, uh, really given uh, serious uh, consideration. Yeah. When we think about the word Bumiputra, often it is framed from a, you know, this is about the Malays. Um, that's, that's sort of the framing of it. Um, and it's, you know, ten, we tend to ignore, you know, Orang Asli communities, um, uh, you know, people in Sabah and Sarawak. How can, um, you know, the upcoming Bumiputra Economic Conference ensure inclusivity within the Bumiputra community, particularly addressing the needs of low-income Bumiputras, indigenous groups, and those in Sabah and Sarawak? Yeah, I think the commitment um, has been there, certainly verbally, uh, you know, certainly um, in official documents, if you look at speeches i mean there's always uh, some assurance of that that uh, you know this is going to also benefit the non malay bumiputras and the the orang asli i think there are things uh, happening behind the scenes um it's a bit less less known and i think for in in some ways even if a program uh, exists Sometimes it's difficult even to access it because there are still preconditions, right? There's still, let's say, you know, uh, yeah, either some yeah, holding a degree or or, or meeting a certain uh, baseline of academic qualifications. So uh, I think that needs to be further studied just to get a better handle, right, on what is the state of affairs in terms of the efforts to outreach, what is available. I mean, technically, actually, everything, right, or any Bumiputra group, you know, does 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 qualify? Um, the Orang Asli, right, is is one of those that is, uh, a, you know, there's some a bit of a more grey area, I suppose. Uh, but there are programs that you can see um, have been implemented, and in higher education, you know, it's even traced. You can see that the data is followed in terms of Orang Asli uh, uh, enrollment. So, I think in terms of the uh, uh, commitment. I mean, I I think what uh, you know really should be done is to make it more, uh, give more central attention, uh, focus to it, um, you know, not just as. Um, I mean, I don't think it's an afterthought, but it just tends to be maybe a passing statement. But make it really more central, um, and also contextualize. Right? What are the actual you know uh, particular needs of Sabah and Sarawak? Indigenous people and of the uh, Orang Asli and less of a one size uh, fits all. I think there is one. Um, I think the monitoring of uh, change and, and and progress, and I think it sends a, a an important signal to document the actual situation in the community, in the communities and, and their needs. And I think this is why it's really lacking. Um, you know, a lot of data is uh, are reported with the Bumiputra as sort of just one huge blob. And 70% of the population, and you get the average, right, of 70% of the population. And for a lot of data, it's only reported 
um, at that super aggregated uh, level. Right. There was a time where there were more disaggregations, mm-hmm. and you could actually look at you know the more granular data for Malay, and even with Malay, you know by region, you could see differences as well. But that's not reported. But at the most basic level, Malay, non-Malay, Bumiputra, a lot of data don't even report that anymore. That stopped, you know, sometime about a decade ago, right? And this is again just to get a honest and clear-eyed picture about what's happening and where are uh, the gaps. I think the Sabah and Sarawak um, political class should step up and press for these because it's really, you know, really up in it. That's that's what they should be calling for. So I would, you know, say, yeah, that's something, you know, that would serve well uh, for policymaking, better um, uh, targeting and also better policy uh, monitoring. Do you see it happening now that, um, you know, our, polit- our political landscape is a lot more fluid and compared to, you know, the pre-2018 days, um, um, especially the decades before that, it is very clear now that Srawa is a very important kingmaker. Um, you know, they can ultimately, you know, place their bets to, um, you know, whether it's one faction or another in Peninsula Malaysia and form the government. Um, there's no you know, denying how important um, they uh, are, especially Sarawak, do you see them um, playing more important roles um, within these kinds of uh, congresses um, and within policymaking um, now that they are kingmakers? I think the jury's still out a bit on that. Mm. I mean, you know, they've had the, Sabah Sarawak have had the political leverage for many years already, even in the late Barisan uh, national uh, era, right, um, of, you know, the 2010s or the, the mid to late uh, 20, pre-2018. Uh, and I think the the focus has been on MA63 and asserting, right, those the, those claims and more on, on autonomy um, and being able to, you know, carve out more of their own development uh, agenda. Um, I, I mean, yeah, it, it doesn't need to, you know, exclude. And in fact, it should go hand in hand with also asserting for the federal system to deliver better, mm. right? And the starting point for that would be to say that, hey, where's the data that is collected by the federal system? State governments don't have the resources, right, for all this kind of uh, data that is truly showing the situation on which we can base our claims, Right for better programs and more. I'm 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 still quite stupefied why you no know, there has not been right this uh, chorus of of uh, East Malaysia voices calling for this data to be reported, and I think to uh, have a clearer and more systematic approach to how they want to also play both ways with a certain autonomy, right, and and their rights, uh, while also right the federal system uh, leveraging on, on their political strength to get the federal system to work better for them. Uh, maybe it's something internally that hasn't been been, been resolved yet because if you are if, if you tend to be you know uh, at loggerheads with this sort of federal system and you presented as something that is that is that is sort of uh, uh, exploitative and and uh, and oppressive, then why do you actually want access to it? So I think they will have to have a <laughs> I think a, a, a debate uh, over that, right? 
um, and I think it comes back right to how how we you know engage on being on on the stance taken towards it being uh, pro Bumiputra, right? If then you take some, if you're going very against it, and then suddenly you want to get access to it, right? Then you know, uh, yeah, I think you know you've kind of undermined the the, the case. Whereas if you the approach would be to take look at it critically for its flaws and its strengths and say that you know these are things that actually can benefit um commu different communities right uh, more 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 effectively and more equitably to me that is a much more strategic right and sound and logical way to make the case for more benefit to Sabah and Sarawak now you talked about um you know, how the Bumiputra Economic Congresses have sometimes played a massive role in influencing policy. Um, do you think this time around it, it's going to be like that? And is there a policy you think um, should be focused on or implemented for the long term to bring us towards a more equitable society? I think, yeah, I mean, we, we really do have to to uh, wait and see. It will be, you know, uh, various uh, resolutions uh, that are made. And I think how it's also managed in terms of who will really uh, call the shots or how, how much it would actually, you know, uh, translate into or how much it will give a boost, I think, to, to a lot of uh, existing uh, policies. I think the more important thing I do want to stress mm -hmm. here is not about a very policy-specific, uh, policy but again, uh, two things uh, at, at a more fundamental uh, level. And this is a bit of a, you know, this is wishful, of course, I will admit, <laughs> uh, you know, but what's the point of, uh, that's the whole point, right? Absolutely. Uh, you know, aim high. Aim high. Uh, that, yeah, we can begin to branch away from, you know, again, only being about uh, the group the Bumiputra, and uh, and and but and I don't mean that we stop doing it, but rather that we see this this policy as benefiting Bumiputra as part of a, a broader domain of policies that can also be targeting other groups. Um, I mean, I, I just you know, there's just fifty plus years where you know we have not been able to get past this because it's presented as a Malay policy, Bumiputra policy, and then it triggers a backlash. You know, and then which which then can escalate into greater assertions on both sides, right? And then becomes even more uh, polarized, and people lose track of there is some common ground there that we can you know that that there are these policy types of policies that can be redesigned to target different groups, and we can try and make it more right fair and 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 equitable. And we have to recognize that it's it's a messy situation, and these interventions are not never going to make everybody happy because they're dealing with allocation of very scarce opportunities. Uh, so, you know, just enter into it eyes wide open, right? And not to over um, overstretch, right? Or over uh, that, how much, uh, you know, needs to ride on a group targeted policy. I think the clarity I would also wish for better. And there are many... Uh, issues and problems of all the communities. Let's talk about, you know, Bumiputra community and the concerns, let's say, about, about uh, low wages, about social protection, um, retirement, right? Many of these you don't need and actually should not be resolved through a Bumiputra targeted, right? That, but 
something you know that is provided through the public system that mm. everybody will benefit and that you can qualify right based on needs based on income you know and specify where this whole need based assistance right um you know and and universal provisions come uh, into the picture um my hope that yeah it will be more less of conflictual and and if, you know and 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 try and find new uh compromises and the second is that to really move away from that 30% equity as the driving force and find something else because i think if i i see that yeah it does need something to really galvanize the efforts and say that yeah this is what this this particular focused agenda is going to you know be, be all about or come up with three right like you know expanding a medium scale uh, enterprises right um export competitiveness and something like that so uh yeah the the my my thinking is is along those lines and on that note thank you so much for joining me today Thank you, Dashan. That was Dr. Lee Hoa An, senior fellow at the Malaysian Studies Program at the ICS Yusof Ishak Institute. If you missed any part of our conversation, you can also check us out on podcasts. We are available on the BFM app, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Dashan Johan, and this has been Beyond the Ballot Box, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.